Hi, you're listening to a message for all nations, and welcome to Ebenezer All Nations Church. You're listening to a message from our pastor, Pastor Dwight Withers. God's church, and it's his plan. God's church, and it's his plan. And what is his plan? His plan is to have a place where people can come and be safe, to learn more about him, to be safe in understanding the price that was paid for each and every one of us, to be safe, to be able to learn what thus saith the Lord. There are those, though, who sometimes knowingly and unknowingly as well will attack the church of God. And who is the church of God? It's very plain to see that in Revelation 14, 12, the patience of the saints are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus Christ. The people of God are those who uh, are compassionate towards others that are uh, around them uh, in their neighborhoods. Those are the ones that if you do it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto Jesus. We, uh, as the people of God, are to take care of folks. However, there are are, are people who have the name Christian on their chest and in their forehead that will have aught against folks that they don't understand, of which uh, caught my attention. And by the way, it wasn't the impetus for the sermon uh, several weeks ago uh, that I was addressing one particular person. However, it did uh, affect me emotionally to hear uh, someone who uh, misunderstood uh, Seventh-day Adventism and to utilize uh, television and radio in order to speak about uh, those who are commandment keepers as though that there's no room for the love of God in our hearts. And I wanted to address that. I have to be careful, and as well as everyone else needs to be careful, because if we address everyone who has something to say, we will utilize most of our emotional and uh, spiritual capital trying to fix that and not do what God has asked us to do. Amen? Amen. However, it fit in with exactly what is near and dear to my heart that I wanted to talk about anyway. Uh, And so that charged me up in such a way that uh, I wanted to address it, not only for their benefit, but for our benefit, for our minds, so that we can uh, reintroduce ourselves into who we are. So I handed out something that, uh, much like in what is in your bulletins today about we as Adventists, that will let you know uh, just in a 10,000 foot level some of the things that we think about and believe. So you can see that in your own uh, eyes that a publication that is given out by us, we believe that we are saved by grace through faith. Amen. So. Uh, I brought a little paper last time that uh, showed what our uh, folks up at the General Conference, which is the highest level of organization within the church, what they uh, said 
on paper about how we're saved and what our uh, idea about Jesus is. I uh, brought a little bit about uh, our 28 fundamental beliefs, what uh, that is about as far as salvation is concerned, and also even for those that uh, uh, wanted to hear about uh, uh, Ellen G. White, what is her view on that as far as it applies to the church. And so that's where we left it. Uh, and we want to just pick up a little bit today. When the church was born and Jesus was here for three and a half years to form this church. Now, I want to remind you that Jesus was not here to collect God's people. God has always had a people ever since Adam. However, things changed throughout the millennium. And uh, uh, God is interested in a people who love him without having to be forced to love him. So uh, when Jesus came to this earth, he gave uh, an opportunity for those whom he had called in the beginning to be a witness unto him and to show the rest of the world how mighty and how powerful God is and how loving he is and how he wants to stick close to the plan of salvation. And he wanted his people to explain to those who were sacrificing their babies and who didn't understand any of the word of God. He wanted to make sure that they could see in the flesh exactly the true thing that God wanted to have his people know. For three and a half years, he struggled and organized and did what he had to do in order to formulate, reformulate a people who would love him on their own, who would have faith in him, who would trust him. And that body of people is called the church. And when the church was uh, launched and let loose, uh, Jesus said uh, in his own words as a guide to this newfound church, he said in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. And if you want to go there, fine. In fact, let's do go there so you can see it. Matthew chapter 28. It's a very familiar text. Amen. amen. When you get there, I heard a few amen. But Matthew 28. And let's look at what Jesus uh, let the disciples know that they were to continue on with. And here it is. Matthew 28, 18, it says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. How much authority? Oh. All authority. Verse 19, he is given the charge, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them, verse 20, to observe all things, teaching them to do what? Observe, observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the Hence, you see in your bulletin, again, there's been a slight change. 
Our mission statement, if you look inside of there, it used to be to be a people of all nations, united, sharing God's love through spiritual and emotional and physical healing. When we uh, first began with that mission statement, we wanted to strive uh, for those that saw that vision to be exactly that when we wanted to do things for our own and for outside. And I believe that we've done well in that regard through our Sabbath school program and through uh, teaching. Uh, we have uh, brought on spiritual healing for those who didn't know Jesus at all. We uh, were instruments in God's hands. Nothing about us. Because remember what our text was, uh, all the glory goes to God. Amen? Amen? But emotional healing. There are folks who are hurting up in here. Folks who come through those doors that are crying on the inside. Amen. And they found a place where they could come and just relax just a little bit. Even if it's just for a time. To just say, yes, Jesus, I just want to be in your arms for a moment. And there are folks in this church with, that would keep up with those who are hurting. So we were uh, hoping that we could fulfill that task of being emotional healers. And we have those who are uh, uh, in the medical field who certainly uh, allow themselves to be asked questions and uh, late night calls and all kind of different inquiries about physical health and we still not only leave it to man but we also believe that God is a healer too. Amen. So yes sir, we wanted to stay close to that vision and to that uh, mission statement and the prior part of that was to be a people of all nations united because it's hard to have people of different cultures and different mindsets to be united for one cause. And we figured that if people would come in here and if you saw somebody that looks like you and we're all working together, then you would think and I would think that Jesus is in the middle of that. And that was the play. Well, our, our mission statement has uh, been shortened just a tad. We still want to do those things that we had uh, I thought about it as we were grounded on to begin with. That doesn't stop, but we wanted to refocus our mission to be a people of all nations. That's never going to leave Ebenezer. It's always going to be Ebenezer, all nations. That's the most important part of our name because that is exactly how God wants heaven. Amen. To see all nations. Amen. And the big part about that is unite. And what unites us is Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And we will be a people of all nations united in making disciples for Christ. Mm -hmm. Having people see that as Jesus is lifted, he said he would draw all men unto him. And we want to lift up Jesus so that people can see that there is a rhyme or reason for his word. And that there's much to talk about as it concerns Jesus. All right, I think that's done. The developing church, they made a classic move in response to that great commission of go ye into all the world, baptizing them, making disciples and baptizing them in the name of the Father, and Son, and the Holy Spirit, 
they made a great move. And we talked about it the last time we were together. They continued in the disciples or the apostles' doctrine. They listened to the disciples, what they had to say as it pertained to what Jesus taught them to say, fresh from heaven, and it came out to them. They, they continued in the apostles' doctrine. This is in Acts chapter 2. They ate and they prayed together. If you ever want to look and see what the first church uh, uh, emphasized and how they were formed, it's in Acts 2 and probably 36 to 40-something, 40 45 or 6 or 7. But they continued in the apostles' doctrine. They ate and they prayed together. They helped the poor. They went to church often. Says they went to church every day. No, we're not going to put that on you. But if we have a if we have a service, it's open for everybody that wants to be there. Amen. But uh, we when we get our place, it's going to be when, certainly Wednesday night and uh, Sabbath and maybe a couple other things going on in the week. So it's up to you. But they met all the time. Early church. They uh, shared meals with joy. There's going to be some smiling going on in about 40 minutes when we go to the <laughs> fellowship hall. They shared a meal with joy. Is that about 10 more minutes? No, sir. <laughs> you can go back there if you want to, but we're going to be in here for another 10 minutes. And they praised God. They didn't just uh, sit down and mumble the word. They praised God. And they loved people. They loved people. That's the early church. So I want us to go to Ephesians chapter 5. Because I believe as we go through this process, and we're not done today, we'll probably finish up uh, next week, and then we have communion on the third Sabbath. Uh, and I just invite everyone to come to that. Don't be scared of communion. You come on and enjoy the Lord's Supper. You come on and see how the ordinance of humility is. and uh, You just come and just enjoy that with us. Whether you participate or not, uh, it's up to you. But we certainly want you to be here just so that you can see and enjoy. Ephesians chapter 5. And let me get there myself. Uh, let's see. And I believe we're going to start... In uh, verse 25, I think. Yes, okay. I want us to see our relationship with Christ as the church. Now, if you want to go to sleep, do that in a, just a little while, but pay attention right now. This is very important. Because this really uh, should uh, make a change in how we think about ourselves and the things that we do as part of the church of God and in service as the church of God. And let's see what the word says in Ephesians chapter 5. And let's look at verse 25. It says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ 
also loved the church and gave himself for her. Now, because of the uh, simple fact that we are not on a marriage counseling sermon today, I would stay there for the husband's sake. But I want to make sure that we're very clear that in God's eyes and, and speaking in a language that we can understand, he is uh, associating something that we can see clearly here amongst ourselves. He says, husbands, love your wife. As Christ also loved the church. And how did he love the church? He gave himself for her. Verse 26. Why did he give himself for her? That he might sanctify her, make holy, and cleanse her with the washing of water by his word. So, so far we see that Christ loved us. We see that uh, let me say Christ loved the church and he gave himself for the church. Why? He gave himself so that he might present himself a church that's clean and holy. Verse 27 that he might present her, the church, to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that she, the church, should be holy and without blemish. Oh, man. That's a tall order now. God wants to have a church that's holy, without blemish, no wrinkle, a glorious church. Here's a good time for me to have a quick commercial. I'm part of the church. Am I doing my part to make this a glorious church? Am I doing my part for this church to be without spot, without blemish, without a wrinkle? Or am I the only brown rice in the crowd? <laughs> Just me. Verse 28. So husbands, ought to love their own wives, how? As their own bodies. For he who loves his wife loves himself. Wow. When you look at the correlation, Jesus loves his church like he loves his own body. Verse 29, for no one ever hated his own flesh, that's got any sense, <laughs> but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we, verse 30, are members of his what? We. We are members of Christ's body. Now I want you to get that picture. I want all of us to get it in our heads. We are members of Christ's body. What's a member on my body? Physical body. Finger is a member. An ear is a member. 
The nose is a member, a toe, the mouth, the tongue, the eyes. They're members of my physical body. Yeah. And each one of us are a member of Christ's body. Of his flesh, it says, verse 30, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife. And the two, the two shall be made one flesh. Now verse 32, this is a great mystery. But I speak, Paul says, concerning Christ and the church. Darling Johnson, if you would just, I won't do anything crazy. <laughs> I know. I hear you, but come on. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> you better say it a few more times. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. When we were married, it's me, Dwight Withers, Jocelyn Moore, two people. When I said I do, she said I do. We became together. Uh, however, uh, we became one. Come on back behind me. There we go. There we go. Oh, that's good. <laughs> now, basically, you see me. And if you're talking to Jocelyn, you should be talking to me. Amen. Same thing. You're talking to her. You should be talking to me. Because we're one. Not one because our bodies are the same and linked like that, but we're one in purpose. We're one in desire. We're one in how we want to move forward in life. We're one like that. And to God, it means we're just like this. Say cheese. <laughs> Get out of here. I 
taught you better than that. Who is this Jesus anyway? And people have to deny sometimes their own parents or their own husband or their own wife. So when they came together, it wasn't just about, hey, we're going to just go and just hang out and then we're going to do our little church thing and then go on home. No! That's why they were able to eat together and pray together. And that's why they were able to go and do missionary work together. They felt like being with each other every day because of the pressures of this world and their reliance on God. So what was the doctrine of the apostles? Or really, what was it that this everything that God had commanded, that's the, that's the first thing that's listed in the early church. They kept up with the apostles' doctrine. Now, I don't believe there's anywhere else in the Bible that you can find in one place, one place, a full synopsis of what Jesus commanded. Come on with me to Matthew chapter 5. And certainly, we'll find there, because this is what Jesus taught the disciples, we'll find out what they taught their disciples. And it starts in Matthew chapter 5. Are you there? Yeah. All right. It starts in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, and ends really in Matthew chapter 7, 29. We're definitely not going to read it all, but in those three chapters, but here's where it starts. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, and seeing the multitudes, he, Jesus, went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him, and then he opened his mouth and he taught them. Why did he teach them? So that they would learn to, to know what they were supposed to teach. Amen? So he taught them. And so we can see, like I said, we're going to uh, uh, shift gears. But uh, in Matthew 21, Keep your spot in Matthew 5, but go to Matthew 21 right quick. Because what we're about to uh, read when we go back to what Jesus taught his disciples, he wanted people to see what he taught them. All three chapters. And what you'll see in those three chapters is what Jesus commanded uh, the, and what the doctrine of the early church was, and there you'll find a balance of law and grace. You'll find unmerited favor and responsibility. You'll see in those three chapters an unequivocal explanation of how God loved us in his sacrifice for us. But I want to show you something here. Matthew chapter 21, did I say? Amen. And let's look at verse uh, 18. Let's see, is that right? 19. Mm, let's see here. Oh, yes, there it is. Let's look at verse, uh, uh, yeah, let's look at 18. Now in the morning, as Jesus returned to the city, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it 
and found nothing on it but leaves. And he said to it, now I want you to get this in, a picture in your mind. This is Jesus walking down the road and he sees a, a fig tree full of leaves and he goes over there to get him some because he was hungry and there weren't any. And so Jesus said to the fig tree, as we see in verse um, 20, uh, or is it 19? Yeah. Let no fruit, the red letter, grow on you ever again. And immediately the fig tree withered away. Man, what's all that about? Why would Jesus do something like that? That's totally out of character for somebody that uh, nurtured all living things and has respect for all living things. But there's another lesson for us. And he was trying to teach and to show how serious he is about having a people here on this earth that would do all that he had commanded them to do. Because when he looked at the fig trees, it was supposed to have figs. And it didn't. So he used this as an object lesson and did something that's totally out of his nature. But I want to go a little bit further, but keep that in your mind. Let's look at uh, verse 28. Yes. Mm -hmm. Same chapter, verse 28. But what do you think? Jesus talked. A man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, son, go work today in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not. But afterwards, he regretted it, and he went. Amen. Verse 30. Then he came to the second and said, likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir. But he didn't go. Which of the two did the will of his father? And they said to him, well, the first one did. And Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that tax collectors, harlots, and harlots enter the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but tax collectors and harlots believed him. And when you saw it, you did not afterwards relent and believe him. What did that mean when a harlot and a tax collector believed in Jesus? What does that mean when a dope addict or a drunkard believes in Jesus? Does that mean that they just say, yeah, I believe in Jesus, and I'm going to see you here again tomorrow night, and we're going to believe in Jesus together? No! Oh, they changed. They changed their life because they saw the glory of God in Jesus Christ. And the people that should have known they said, yeah, we're doing everything you want us to do, but they didn't. And the first person said, I don't want to hear nothing about Jesus, and then they regretted it, and then they turned their lives around, and they repented. Yes, that's good. Think about the fig tree now. Let's go on the same chapter, verse 37. Oh, boy, we got to run. Verse 37. Okay, I'm, I'm almost taking the time. <laughs> 21... Verse 37. But when the vine dressers saw, oh, let me give you the uh, foundation to this. 
This is another parable that Jesus is uh, speaking, and he's doing this because he's laying the groundwork for some, a serious charge that he's going to give to his people at the time. Serious charge. So he saw the fig tree. You saw what he did there. He has a parable about two sons. One, he said, would you go in my bed? He said, no, I'm not going. And he regretted it, and he said, okay, I will. And the other one said, yeah, I'm going. And then he really never went. And now he's saying about this vine dresser. It's time for harvest. And he's going to go send them on out. And he says, I'm going to send my uh, some servants out uh, to take care of business. And what did the people do? They beat him up. Tell him, get out of here. I want to hear nothing what you got to say. He said, okay, well, just send me a few more. <laughs> Same thing happened. And then in verse 37, he says, then last of all, he sent who? His son, His son to them saying, they'll respect my son. Sure. But when the vine dressers saw the son, they said among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. So they took him and cast him out of the vineyard and they kill him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those vine dressers? This is like one of those statements that Samuel, when he was talking to David, where you get the other person to tell exactly what the sentence is. <laughs> and this is exactly what that is. When he has a parable, says, when the, when the owner of the land sends out servants and his own son and all they can do is beat them up and kill my own son, what do you think that the vine dresser is going to do when he comes there? And what did they say? He will, verse 41, he will destroy those wicked men miserably and lease his vineyard to other, to who? Other vine dressers who will render to him the fruits of their seasons. And then Jesus goes on to say, and I'm reading fast, Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scripture the stone which the builders rejected? He has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. Verse 43, therefore I say to you, this is a hard thing to hear especially when you're a child of Abraham, especially when you think you're saved into the kingdom of God by your blood, especially when you think you've got all the spiritual things right in line. And Jesus himself says in verse 43, therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits thereof. And whoever falls on this stone will be broken. If you fall on Jesus, he'll break those chains. Yeah. He'll break all that stuff that's got you chained yeah. down. But if he falls on you, well, he'll grind us to powder. Right. Now you remember that. He wasn't playing with the fig tree. Right. He was very clear about which son did the will of the father. And he was very clear on exactly when people came to beat up the prophets, when they came to kill his son. God's not playing with that. So, then we go to 1 Peter. 1 Peter. Oh, hang in there with me 10 more minutes. We're doing good. 1 Peter. 
And when you get there, please say amen. Go on towards Revelation, and you'll get there. If you get to John, you went too far. Back up a book or two. First Peter chapter 2. Amen? Amen. Now remember, Jesus said himself, uh, when we just read out of, man, I want you to get to 1 Peter chapter 2, and I'll tell you in a second, but I want to rehash what I just read to you out of Matthew 21 when Jesus was talking to the people. He says, have you never read in scriptures the stone which the builder rejected? He has become the chief cornerstone. This is what the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits thereof. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2. And look at verse 6. Amen. Let's start with verse 4. Coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. Amen. You also, now that first four talking about Jesus, now he's talking about us. You also as living stones are being built up to a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices that's acceptable to God through Jesus. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, this is what I just read to you in Matthew 21. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect Precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Amen. Therefore, verse 7, to you who believe, that doesn't say to Jews who believe, that doesn't say to anybody in particular, it says to you, for God so loved all the world that he gave his only begotten son, Amen. Jew and Gentile together. And he says in verse 7, therefore to you who believe, he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble, verse 8 says, being disobedient to the what? Word. To the word well. to which they were also appointed. I can stand tall and I don't have to listen and be uh, drawn away from the mission when I hear people uh, nagging and chipping away. They're being disobedient to the word. But nine, verse nine, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. When Jesus said, I took the, uh, I'm gonna take the kingdom from you and give it to another nation. Who is that? A holy nation, verse nine says, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who once were not a people, gotta be Gentile, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. In our last few minutes here, I do want to go back to Matthew chapter 5 and just cherry pick a couple of things really quick, and then we'll tighten it, tighten this up. Matthew chapter 5, are you there? Amen. All right, I want you to look at verse uh, 14 right quick. Because remember now, this is uh, the Sermon on the Mount. This is the instruction that God has given 
is giving to his people. If you look at your Bible, and if it's the red letter edition, you see nothing but red for a few chapters. This is Jesus talking, and he wants them to know. And I'm cherry picking, but I want you to look, uh, read for yourself, Matthew chapter 5 through 7 in your own time. And just think about yourself as part of the body of Christ. This is what Jesus wants us to know. And I'm cherry picking, but this is, applies to what I want you to hear today. Verse 14 of Matthew chapter 5. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on the hill cannot be hidden. Because remember, we are a holy nation. And we are one who uh, praises God because he brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And he's saying here, Jesus is saying, we're the light of the world. A city is set on a hill, cannot be hidden. Verse 15, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. So let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Well, what works do you want me to do, Lord? Here it is, verse 17. Do not think that I came to destroy the law of the prophets. I did not come to destroy it. I came to fulfill it. I came to show you how I can do it. I came to show you that I relied on my Father. And me and him spent time together. And because you are my body, you can do the same thing. Verse 18 says, for assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, heaven's still here, earth still here, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Whosoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men to do so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven, but whosoever does and teaches them he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. I'm going for the great. Amen? Verse 20. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter into the kingdom of heaven. I love this because it, it covers both sides. It covers people who think that uh, grace uh, will... Uh, cover them in such a way that uh, God's grace can let you act any kind of way you want to act. Amen. He said, uh-uh. Amen. No, sir. And it goes to the people who think that as long as I can keep these ten and I can mark it off on my checklist, I'm doing good. No. Amen. Absolutely not. Because our righteousness has to exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. And their righteousness, they tithe, mint, and cumin. They went on and tithed every little, oh, I got lint in my pocket. I'm going to give you 10% of my lint. I mean, they went all overboard in their wanting to do what God says do. But you know what they didn't have? They didn't have Jesus. They didn't have any conversation, any relationship at all. And God said, no, uh-huh. You look good on the outside. But I see you. Maybe not spend too much time there. Let's look at chapter 6. I'm just going to cherry pick a little bit, and then we're almost done. Matthew chapter 6, middle of uh, his Sermon on the Mount. And let's look at verse 1. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. The Bible says, Take heed 
that you do not do charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound the trumpet. We're going to feed the hungry today. Look at how good we are. God is a good God. Nobody escapes. Amen. We're so busy looking at thieves and murderers and liars and all of that, and we forget about the gossipers and those that are sticking out their chest like they're doing something. No! God says. Verse 2, therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound the trumpet as you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what the right is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret. And your father sees in secret and will himself <laughs> reward you openly. Oh, such a deal. I don't have to tell anybody how much I'm giving somebody to the poor. You know, I gave uh, uh, three Snickers bars, no, it wasn't Snickers, uh, three uh, granola bars and uh, some water to a homeless out there. Ain't that nice? Got my reward. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. All right. Here we go. Last one. Uh, Matthew chapter 7. Oh, have mercy. Matthew chapter 7. Oh boy, how much do mm. mm -mm -mm. No, I'm not gonna do it, because it'll just uh, I need to I need to talk about it, but I'm gonna do this. I will do this. Matthew 7, let's look at uh, Verse 13 and 14. I see hundreds of people coming to this church. Now before, because I saw it, see I got these x-ray glasses and I saw somebody across the floor and says, are you crazy? No, I'm not. I'm not crazy. I'm going to tell you why I'm not crazy. I, I'll visit different churches, and sometimes you go and there's 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 people in, in the church. What's the difference between the membership of some of those churches and you? Nothing. You guys got the same amount of limbs. You all do similar jobs or have no job, doesn't matter. They got the same thing. So why should I think that we should be any less than what they do? If it's God's will, I'm always going to put that in the top rung of where the thought pattern goes. But I believe, I really do believe, all these church, uh, church all these chairs could be full and we could have two services. Amen. Amen. Why not? You're here. Amen. Why are you here? <laughs> How come it can't be double of who you are? If we doubled what we have in here today, it'd be overflowing. Why not? 
What is wrong with the message that Jesus loves us and we want to love him back in return? Is that we appreciate the sacrifice that was given for us. And because we understand it, I want to do something. Actually, what I want to do is open up for you to come in and you do your thing in me, yes. Jesus. Yes. That's the whole thing. And I know me. There's been times when I have had my buttons open for Jesus to come in, and then I closed them. I got this. <laughs> you don't need to come in. I got this. <laughs> Sometimes I open a little bit, close it. Why? Why? The early church, they gave their all. How come we can't do that today? I believe that as long as Jesus is lifted up, and we make a safe atmosphere for people to come and see the glory of God, that he will bless us. He'll bless us. There's no reason why he wouldn't. And so when I look at uh, Matthew 7 and verse 13, did I say? Yes, 13. 14. 13, 13 14. Yes. Oh, there it is. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. I know that to be true. That's not just a statement that I read and say, oh, yeah, 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 that's right. Okay, that's good. Let's move on to the next statement. No, I know that to be true because I was on the broad way. And I wanted to do my own thing. And wide was the way. And it was broader with no obstructions. Just a lot of distractions to keep me away from God. Carte blanche. I could do whatever I felt like doing. Whatever I felt big enough to do, I did. But narrow is the way. Not, not because it's, it's confining. It's just the way to true life is through Christ. That's the narrowness of it all. And it's like one of those cartoon uh, tents that you see in in uh, Arabia, where it looks like a little old tent, and you go past the flaps, and it opens up to some huge thing. Amen. It's just like that. When we go through that portal of Jesus, yes. and wow, wow, wow. Because narrow is the gate, verse 14, and difficult is the way, which leads to life, and there be few who find it. You don't have to be the few today. You can be the ones whom Jesus says, you didn't have mercy before. You weren't a people of God before, but you are now. I'm willing to make you holy. I'm willing to raise you up to be somebody that gives me the praise, him talking, who brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And you need to answer this, why can't it be you? visiting uh, and y'all come on up so I was visiting uh, this last week and in the hospital had a uh, a thing on the wall a picture, not a picture but a, a plaque on the wall and it says before you go I want to know and they had it up in the hospital uh, before you go and then it had uh, one through four little areas that you could write. 
It says, before you go, I want to know. And I looked at that and I said, man, uh, that is such a tremendous statement if that was coming from God during this moment right here. Before you go, I want to know. Now I'm speaking as a mouthpiece for God. I want to know why you won't accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Why? Before you go, just be honest. Why will you let another day pass by without holding on to the mighty hand of Jesus? Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, uh, you know we as your people, the church doors are, are always open, but it's only at this moment, Father, that perhaps the, your spirit uh, would uh, go in and out of the uh, chairs and the pews, Lord, and our congregation that we have here and give the strength to any soul, Father, that needs to make that claim and say yes to you right now. May not even know exactly what yes means in terms of what do I do next, but the yes for sure means that I see Jesus has done something great for me. And there's no reason, no sane reason why I would reject that kind of love. If you feel that kind of love right now and you want to give your heart to him just between you and God, just raise your hand for him, not for me. Just raise your hand for him and allow him to see that you've made that decision. Heavenly Father, dear Lord, I'm not even looking up myself, but I just feel as though that somebody raised their hand. And I just pray, Father, that you would put your hands of protection around them. That you would continue, Lord, to uh, have this tsunami of love just at their door, Father, and that they would take the scales off of their eyes and see it and respond to your love, Lord, by letting you come in. And we're asking all of that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And thank God. Come on, stand there. There's, uh, there's only one song keeping you from lunch. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to ask you to please, uh, once we finish the song, for those that uh, uh, are leaving, uh, there's some uh, snacks for you uh, as you just heard a message for all nations. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you have a blessed day and a blessed week.